0: Great to have you here on The Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. One decision many Americans are making right now is turning the clock back by downsizing the home you live in. The reason people are doing it is what's truly a surprise. Also, do you ever haggle over the price of something very, very common around the world. Not so much here in the United States. It's an art that Americans don't really adapt to. I want to talk about that. So the size, the average size of an American home is our household, because it doesn't have to be a single family home, has gone up, 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 and up for the last three generations. At the same time, the number of people living in each household has gone down, down, down. So, I mean, let's face facts here, particularly for homeowners. How many homeowners live, typically, if, they're, if they don't have kids, how many live in like three rooms of their home and the other rooms just sit there unused? It's very common. When our family was at its largest with people in the household, we bought a home that was owned by empty nesters who owned a home with all those bedrooms because they kept hoping that their kids would come home and visit. And when we bought the home, it was because they finally realized, well, the kids really aren't coming to visit. They moved to a two-bedroom from a five-bedroom. And the five-bedroom was perfect for us at that time. So Americans are like, hmm, this is a lot to pay for. Got more utilities, and utilities in the United States have been going up and up and up. In fact, a survey recently said that 20% of Americans want to move to a smaller place just because they don't want to have to pay all the utilities, And that's just part of it. You may have higher property taxes. You may have more maintenance to take care of, more repairs. You know, you got big enough. Instead of one air conditioning and heating system, you might have to have two or three or whatever. So this back to the basics idea, it's why there's all these shows. You know, when I see all this stuff, when I go to a doctor's office and you're in that waiting room forever and they have a TV in there. And they're always showing these home channels. And there was an ad when I was at a doctor recently that was all the different micro home, uh, tiny home shows that air on that channel. There's one after another. And there's this tiny home show and that tiny home show and this other tiny home show. And tiny homes will never be more than a small segment of the market, but it speaks to people looking for lower cost, and more simplicity. So here's my rule. If your family, your kids have moved somewhere else in the country, and when they come to visit, pay for a hotel room for them instead of having those rooms in your home that are empty all year long because you're paying for all that square footage. So that's just my advice. And Krista, you know I've always said that. Hotels are a great place for family when they visit. Mm -hmm. How many times have you heard me say that So many over the years? So
1: many times. All right. We'll go to some questions now. We've got this from Nick in Georgia. He says, your advice on life insurance is sinking in and I bank with a few credit unions. I've never heard your take on life insurance mailers that come from credit unions.
0: (sighs) I'm unconvinced that credit union life insurance is the best deal out there. I like for you to shop for life insurance, and I've got a methodical process for you to shop for it on Clark.com where I walk you through what you should buy and where you should look to buying it, the process. But if you have a credit union membership where they're enclosing those mailers, because I get them as well, pitching their life insurance, as long as you use the protocol that I recommend buying level term for the period of time you want, that the company is rated at least A plus by AM Best, and the credit union life insurance meets all those criteria, getting a quote from them is fine to do. I'd be surprised if it's cheaper potentially than you'd find elsewhere, but there's nothing wrong with having it quoted for you.
1: Massimo in New Jersey says, I thought I knew a lot until I started to follow your podcast a year ago. I changed my mobile service provider and car insurance. You're providing so much valuable information. I'm trying to protect myself and my family from hacking. I have a secure password site for the past few years, and I've frozen my three credit scores as per your recommendation. And I'm also using an online identity protection program for $8 per month
0: hundred bucks a year.
1: The password protection service also offers dark web monitoring. Do you recommend that I keep the protection I have or is it just a waste of money? I was even looking at the Costco solution.
0: Yeah. So first of all, this is a Costco product I would never sign up for. It's nine to $14 a month, I think, depending on what kind of membership you have. And I just don't like these identity theft protection kit kind of things, the one you have already, you're spending $100 a year for it, similar in price to one of the Costco levels, would not do the Costco one, wouldn't do the one you're doing, dump it, keep that money in your pocket. You're already doing the right things by having your credit frozen. You're using a password manager. You can sign up You have to thaw your credit to do this, but you set up a Credit Karma dashboard and you'd have a lot of the things for free that you would be paying Costco for or you pay right now for. uh, You know, the big things you've already done and having one of these monitoring things, I don't think have any value.
1: David and Georgia says, when purchasing travel insurance for a trip, it asks for the total cost of the trip. My trip involves a flight that will be purchased using SkyMiles. Do I just use the cost of the flight as if I paid for it instead of using SkyMiles?
0: right, so that's a great question. Normally, and this is a change, you can redeposit your frequent flyer miles with most programs at no cost. So if a trip had to be canceled, you don't have to insure the miles because the miles just redeposit. There may be a small fee, depending on the airline, you may have a, like a $75 fee or something like that to redeposit your miles. So that would not normally be an issue. If you're worried about being already on a journey, you have to change your trip because of something that happens, there would be an eligible expense. Call the travel insurance provider you're thinking of using and ask them, because I'm sure they've had the question before, how they would treat the expense of you having to buy a new ticket to get home from a trip. So that would be the real issue is how you get home in a trip interruption situation. And they'll be able to tell you how you would cover that possibility when you have used frequent flyer miles to go on the trip.
1: Okay. And from Julian Oregon, on my last few flights, the TSA has only requested my ID and not my boarding pass. This has happened at different U.S. airports. I'm surprised I haven't heard or read anything about this change. Is this the new airport security process?
0: Yes. It's uh, airport by airport in the country based on passenger volumes. There's a, a more sophisticated technology base technology data set that's available to the TSA. So the airlines provide the TSA with your flight information before you ever show up at the airport. So they already know that you're flying, what flight you're flying on and all that. So all they need is your ID. And this is why there's the big push for the IDs that are the real IDs that have the symbol in the upper corner. Now, I fly almost every week. Or lately, it's been every week. And I've noticed there are people who the system does not recognize from the ID, doesn't find the corresponding reservation, and then you show them your boarding pass like you would have done before. That actually happened to me last month where my ID was not enough. But the idea is... They have the data already, they scan your driver's license, and then they say you're good to go. And that will be common and be the ordinary way that it's handled for flights. Coming up ahead, I want to talk about the art of haggling. How do you get the best price for what you're buying? I was just talking minutes ago about how I travel constantly and I've traveled all over the world. And most places you go to in the world, you go into a store or you go by a street stall or whatever. There's no prices at all. None. No posted prices. Everything is negotiable. And if you don't know what you're doing... You can end up paying a lot more for an item than you would have done. I remember when we were on one of our staff trips to China, Krista totally got into it. Do you remember how you were running around buying stuff and Uh you would walk away and you'd go toe to toe with people You thrive on it. You love it.
1: Well, I don't, I mean, in that case, I just felt like I had to, because that's, that's the customary way to do it in that particular place we were in China. And so other people were trying to buy things and I was helping them get the price down because everyone, people will chase you out of their stores to try to get you to come back. And they started calling me big boss. The (laughs) big boss was your name. This one of the store owners called me that big boss because uh, Jason that we were with said, um, Oh, you have to talk to her, you know, she's the boss. boss. And so now they, Jason still calls me big boss. I love that. All
0: right. And we were on a trip with Jason once when somebody decided his name was Dr. Sugar.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) That's
0: right. That's funny.
1: We have a lot of fun on staff. We
0: do have a lot of fun, but It's one of those things that as you travel the world, it becomes normal and automatic, not here. Americans are very, very uncomfortable in situations that call for negotiation to do so. Uh, One of the primary examples in the United States are the two largest purchases we make in our lives, buying a house and buying a car. And it's all about how you do it and the respect you show for the other party in the transaction. You never want anybody to feel in any situation where you're bargaining, where you're negotiating, you never want someone to feel like you're taking advantage of them. You have to sit on their side as well as your side. Not that you roll over, but that you are sensitive to their needs, their feelings, and you build up trust. There are even people who go into Walmart and bargain for items. I'm stunned because to me, you go in Walmart and everything's got a price on it. That's what the price is. The only time that I will do that in a retail store, last item. If something's a floor sample and it's a last item they're selling, I will bargain on that. I'll say, oh, look at this. It's got this scratch over here or whatever. And then I see what they say and how they respond. But I wouldn't think of with a price on the shelf doing that, except I say that, you know, so often now you pull out what? You pull out your smartphone and you see what something's priced somewhere else. And a lot of retailers say they match any price of an in-inventory item that you find for sale somewhere else. And they'll have their own rules about that. But almost nobody ever does that. I do. I pull this phone out and I see what's available around on that item. And if they don't want to match that item in price, what I do next is I just go to the other place and I buy the item. The thing is, The price is not necessarily the price a lot of times, but we are culturally, as Americans, of a mindset that, oh, that's what the price is, oh, that's what I'll pay. Mm -mm. It's your money, you want to be careful with it. At the same time, be very respectful of the person you're talking to. That's key. So often, when we are combative with somebody, what are they? They're then combated back with us. So, kindness goes a long way. What I call being politely persistent is so often key in life in so many situations where you want to make sure you're getting a fair deal, a square deal.
1: All right, we'll go to questions. Laura in California says, What are Clark's thoughts on purchasing a home in an over 55 community? I'm 53 and live in Orange County, California. I would love to buy a home here to live at from 55 till my old age. The weather's great in California and heating, cooling bills are low. The only drawback I can see is I wouldn't have property to hand down to my daughter should I pass before she's 55 and she's 22 now. What would you recommend, Clark? I'm tired of paying $2,400 in rent for a place I'll never own.
0: So, Laurie, 55-plus communities are intensely popular all over the country. It used to be something that was really only prominent in the Mountain West and now is all over the country, even in high rises for people that are living independent 55 plus living communities. And if you want to live in one, you don't think of it like a traditional real estate purchase. Like if you bought a home, not in a 55 plus, you brought up exactly with your daughter being able to have that property, but maybe not in a 55 plus, although you'd be 86. So you could certainly live that long, but then your daughter may not even want to live there. The thing I'll tell you about 55 plus communities, it is an investment in yourself rather than a traditional investment because there's a certain limitation to it with the restrictions who can live there, the pool of potential buyers is smaller. And the time at which it may no longer be where you want to live, even if you're still living, it may not be where you want to live. It may or may not be a good time to sell that property. And you have a smaller pool of potential buyers. Having said all that, it is a lifestyle choice. And people love it. So many people go into a 55 plus community and love it. They come in two flavors. One is a 55 plus community that is a bunch of people living independently in homes or townhouses or even potentially in a high rise. And then there are those that are referred to as continuing care that you start off living independently in your own home. And then much later in life, if you need care, that care will be available in the same property where you're living independently. That's referred to as continuing care. So this has many flavors, many types of facilities. I would say look at many different communities and read the contracts and the policies to make sure it's something you want to get into Because it is, in terms of housing, it is easier to get into it than it is to get out of it.
1: Anthony in Texas says, I recently received a promotion at work and it really motivated me to rehaul my finances. I found your podcast in the process and I'm a huge Clarkaholic now. I've listened to a few dozen of your episodes and I've heard you talk about freezing credit several times. I find it odd that you're only able to lock your credit using apps in the Google Play store but not freeze it. They don't quite make it clear what the difference is between a freeze and a lock. What I found particularly disturbing was Equifax has a separate app that allows you to lock your account, and the login is different than the Equifax account itself. I got really nervous for a few minutes while I was doing my research. Anyway, I thought I would share this with you in case it was something you wanted to talk about for your listeners.
0: So here's the backstory: story. The Equifax TransUnion Experian, the credit bureaus, hated credit freeze, but didn't really worry about it because until the massive Equifax data breach of how many years ago is that now? Six? long time ago. It's been a good while that leaked the information, deep dive information on more than half of all American adults. People became very active doing credit freezes. And Equifax, TransUnion, Experian, the way they make their money is they build these dossiers on you and me. And then they sell them to pretty much whoever wants them in corporate America over and over again, where they slice and dice these profiles on you and me so many different ways. So the money is not principally made from credit granting decisions. It's made from these dossiers and selling us off so many different ways over and over again. Well, with credit freeze, they lose all revenue on you and me. So the credit bureaus invented this thing called credit lock. And what credit lock is, is it does just the part of locking down your credit for applying for credit, your identity for applying for credit. But it allows the credit bureaus to make the lion's share of the money they make, which is on the dossiers they build on you, that they then sell off to all comers. And so you only truly protect your identity when you do credit freeze. So Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian hate credit freeze so much that they make it much easier to set up the inferior credit lock that they invented as an idea instead of doing the all-encompassing credit freeze. So take the extra steps at each of their websites to set up credit freeze rather than credit lock. If you're just never going to get around to doing credit freeze because the extra work, and it's not much extra work, then at least do credit lock.
1: Okay. And Tom in Arizona says, I'm a single man who would like to know what's the best way to travel to Alaska in September for 10 days. I would consider a cruise, but I'm not sure that would be the best way to visit. Plus I would have to pay the price for two people. Also, what part of Alaska do you suggest I visit?
0: So there's a couple of ways you can do Alaska, and cruise is what most people do. I've never been on an Alaska cruise. I have. You have.
1: Yeah, it was, it was great for us because I had my mother and my little daughter at the time. So, so
0: Inside Passage was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was gorgeous. Um, if you go on Norwegian NCL, they offer single cabins that you do not have. They're tiny cabins. They're like, I think they're 112 square feet. They get a bed in there, bathroom, the whole thing is in there in 112 square feet, but they don't charge you twice the freight to go on their cruises. And I would guess NCL does Alaska cruises like the other lines. And so that would be an alternative you could look at for being able to go on an Alaska trip that is a cruise, typically departing out of Seattle or Vancouver. Now, the other possibility is you fly to Anchorage from Arizona, rent a car, and then travel South Central Alaska. I've done that four times in my life because I just love it so much. I'm upset with myself. I haven't been back to do it. And I've been on the ferry system called Alaska Marine Highway going around uh, parts of Alaska. It's very, 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 basic. But you can go from Anchorage south to the Kenai north to Fairbanks and in between to Denali National Park beautiful beautiful scenery it is a wonderful alternative to cruises it's a very different trip than going on a cruise of Alaska and just so you know don't go on a cruise or go on the land trip I'm talking about in South Central during July and the first half of August. Why? Because everybody else is there and everything's way too expensive. If you go late May or mid-September, those are two sweet spots for going either on the Inside Passage Cruises or going on a land trip of Alaska.
1: So Tom's got it right with September. That's perfect.
0: September is a great time. Not the first week of September, though. You heard what I said. Middle of September. Days get shorter. Seven or eight minutes a day. Because you're so far north in September. In the course of 10 days, you'd have 70 less minutes of daytime from when you start the trip uh, to when you end the trip. Wow. Wow. It's brutal. Yeah, but it's so great. I remember one day I was near Fairbanks. It was 80 plus degrees in September. And I woke up the next day and it was snowing. Wow! You just never know what you're going to find in Alaska. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Remember what we're about. You learning ways to save more. Spend less and avoid getting ripped off. Have a wonderful rest of your day.